You are listening to Transition by Panta Kalhor, episode 31. Let's be together in transition. Please subscribe to Panta Kalhor Transition channel and order my book, Rules of Change for the Better. Tune up your mood and transform your life to reach your biggest dreams. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon. Everybody, I know everybody's from different part of the world. And today, with another episode of Green Healing Show, we're gonna talk about very interesting topic. Uh, we have Linda Hayskeeper here. She's early parenting therapist, clinical psychologist, and we're gonna talk about embracing ADHD. Hello, welcome, Linda. I have her for the third time in my show because uh, she is very resourceful. She talked about fertility and she was in my summit and now she's here with ADHD. Oh, thank you, Pentia. It's um, such a pleasure to be back here again. I love yes, it. Yes, me too. <laughs> um, so just a little bit introduction from her she's uh, also doing nlp and hypnotherapy yes uh, with kids and uh, also with their parents because as soon as you have kids that need some special needs and uh, then uh, their parents are also involved here so linda tell me about yourself and what you do exactly these days uh, with ADHD and uh, parenting with ADHD? Yes. Well, as you know, my interest is in early parenting and infant mental health and looking at um, the family as a whole. So um, the parents' mental health and physical health is very important because it passes through and interacts with their infants through pregnancy right up for the rest of their life, really, um, but sp specifically in the first three years where it's it's really important that we try and get the mental health of um, parents and infants as, um, as well as possible and stable as possible. And we know now that ADHD has uh, an, a component of early parenting factors that are missing, um, that does play a game in whether the ADHD or ADD presents in the child as long with the biological and um, maybe physiological situations at birth. Yeah. Can you explain us what's the difference between them and what is them exactly? <laughs> yeah, um, ADHD, uh, we call it ADHD, it's been called ADD previously, um, but we just, we know that it is... Um, a presentation of attention deficit um, and also impulse control difficulties and also challenges with um, hyperactivity in some. Others may be inattentive, so they may not have the um, gross motor uh, hyperactivity but they might have more of the fine motor. So it might be tapping and fidgeting. Um, but under those three main characteristics, we have variances of that. It could be really mild. It could be really extreme. It all depends on the situation and um, the events that are occurring within the home. 
at that point in time. So how can we recognize somebody have somebody has ADHD? Yeah. Um, most parents uh, tend to look at their infants in this way that they're not paying attention. They're just ignoring me. Um, they're, they're impulsive. They want everything. However, we know that uh, developmentally it's appropriate at that two to three years or 18 months to three years of age. And um, I think you might know, and, and many people here, guests may know the marshmallow test which tests the delayed gratification of toddlers. And they do this test where they put two marshmallows or one marshmallow in front of a child and they ask them to try not to eat that. And if you don't eat it, when I come back and it's still there, I'll give you two marshmallows. So we're testing the delayed gratification of toddlers and preschoolers. And it's very appropriate for them at that point in time just to sort of look around, have a smell, maybe feel it, and then you know they might nibble on it or they might just eat it down because they can't control their impulses. So we know that that's apparent at that age of development. Um, however, that can go on up to four years of age or so. But when you've got a child older than that, five or older, and they've got a lot of impulsive um, behaviours, they're um, having difficulty paying attention or staying on task. They might sort of throw the towel in really quickly and complain that, you know, I can't do this and, and I'm, I'm not interested. Um, first off, I wouldn't be looking at a diagnosis at that age. I'd be looking at other factors and especially what is happening in the family unit. Are there any significant difficulties or challenges that the family are going through? Are the parents experiencing their own unresolved issues from their past childhood or even just significant issues in the current pre presence um, having their children? So um, initially it would be about just speaking to a health professional who knows about these um, conditions, what's appropriate, what isn't appropriate, and how you can put strategies uh, into play very early before a diagnosis is um, presented or made by a professional. Is that possible somebody get it uh, in adulthood or, or it just come as soon as you're born? Mm. Yeah, um, there is a genetic component that we know of and we know there is a biological genetic component because we know medication works for it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also um, an early parenting um, attachment uh, challenge that has an, in, plays a part in it as well. Um, but usually once, this, the, once the situation um, and the, the presence and the characteristics are there, what we find is children don't actually grow out of it. It actually becomes more significant as they get older. And it's around the 30 years of age where the brain is so mature that it starts to settle a little bit with some of the, um, maybe the hyperactivity. Um, the impulsivity is usually still there, but the hyperactivity might settle a little bit and become more inattentive mm -hmm. um, behaviours, but it does, it lives with us. Um, so it is about trying to manage and pick up strategies and tools that can help us get through to the best of our ability. 
I see in your bio you said about NLP and hypnotherapy. How can you mm. connect them to ADHD? Yeah, um, with NLP and hypnotherapy, they're really powerful tools that tap into the subconscious. Um, so first protocol, I would be looking at attachment work with the parents and their um, the parents themselves and also their, their infants because they need to be on the same page and looking at the um, helping them with some body semantic work with identifying the feelings that are coming up for the child and how we can label them um, and how they can notify what's going on with them as well because it's extremely frustrating to look after a child who um, seems non-compliant um, on a regular basis and is can be very aggressive or angry um, so in most situations, it would be um, looking at those areas first and then the NLP and the hypnotherapy are ways of regulating our behaviour and we can regulate our emotions, um, the states that we're in. So, for example, if a mother's finding it really challenging working with um, her infant, um, you know, she might be having some memories, uh, difficult memories of um, past experiences with her child and current experiences, we can decrease those distressing memories to a more calming um, state of being um, in those memories. So when they do remember, they have this, hmm, that's okay, and that's just, I don't get worked up by it anymore. So we can work with that with children as well as with adults however it's just slightly different the techniques are slightly different and hypnotherapy is amazing it's it's quite creative when we're looking and using using it with children we get to talk about their favorite characters and colors and we bring in all this imagination and and um, help them sort of work through um, some of their difficulties and also put in we can we can actually instill some greater confidence in themselves and also the parents and also instill some um, strategies on being more organized or more planned um, or more relaxed or calm or more focused. So we, we can use all of those characteristics in NLP and hypnotherapy. Beautiful. But as I understand, uh, you can't completely cure or treat uh, ADHD, right? You mm. can manage it somehow, but um, it's not completely, because there is something in the brain, right? You can't yes. completely um, heal it, but there are lots of ways you can improve your life quality and manage the stress. And especially for adults, I guess it's uh, easier, right? Because uh, they, they are more understandable. They understand about the NLP. You can exactly talk about NLP. Maybe mm -hmm. hypnotherapy maybe is better for kids, right? Which one uh, they better respond? They both respond equally, actually. To oh, Yeah, adults and children both respond. Um, the idea with hypnotherapy is that it's actually self-hypnosis. You know, I, I'm just talking and giving some information. I'm feeding back information. But it's actually self-hypnosis because it's tapping into the subconscious. And the subconscious plays out, um, you know, 80% of our day 
we're only conscious 20% of the day, but we think that we're, con we're, we're conscious more than that. Um, so we tap into the subconscious and it works quite nicely when someone um, is attuning to the attention that is given and, and um, listening and, and going along with what's being said. Um, but, yeah, you, you're right in saying that um, it is very challenging to... Um, to remove some of the um, characteristics or to minimise them. That's mainly what we can do. We can minimise and we can improve some of the, um, the qualities that are lagging um, or strengthen some of those qualities that have been weaker. Um, however, there is, it is programmed in the brain. There is a pathway that's been laid down in the first year of life usually. So if there's challenges, extreme stress in the family, in pregnancy, there's maybe a prematurity um, birth or a post-birth or some sort of trauma, um, maybe, you know, a forceps delivery or something like that. And this is not to say that, you know, all these things are going to definitely cause um, ADHD. However, they play, they can play a part in it, especially if there's a genetic component there. It, can express itself later. So in the early years, especially in the first year, we've got 30 billion um, neurons being developed every second for these, or 3 billion, I need to correct myself on those ones. Um, however, it is um, very fast tracking. The brain is just so engaged and soaking up everything around them. So it is valuable and important to um, be attuned and connected as much as possible without over-attuning um, and being too sensitive um, and also not uh, being absent as well. Um, so that's very important to put those into play um, very early on. And then looking at either medication, if that's what the child needs, um, and also um, behavioural techniques, maybe cognitive behavioural therapy, as well as uh, NLP and hypnotherapy can help as well. Do you have any personal experience uh, for ADHD or do you have any uh, specific patient that you can talk about it, um, those NLP and hypnotherapy, how you work on it and how you get the result? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have both those experiences, actually. <laughs> um, my ADD, I have never spoken about on air. And, and it's probably because I've always thought that my, the way I've entered into the field of early parenting and um, midwifery and parent-infant work, um, I just perceived that was just through my parents and, you know, dad's interest in, you know, psychology and also, um, you know, the field of the body and the brain. And I knew when I did my midwifery that mum was, um, had depression. She had three of us under three years of age and um, that she was depressed and stressed. They were highly stressed, you know, as you were, you know, dad worked two jobs and mum had three under three and they were very young, 19 and 20. So, you know, they were trying to, to thrive and um, so I have no doubt there was a lot of pressure and stress. And when I went through my psychology training, I had this hint in my mind that mm, 
I, I'm sure I've got these characteristics, especially the inattentive daydreaming um, and just reading books and not being able to remember what I just read. And, you know, I can pick up books and I can just stream through books and I'll read the book and then I think, what was that book about? I read every single chapter, every single page, every single word, Whoa. and yet I can just, I'm like, what was that actually about? So that took me a long time. I was the daydreamer at school. And this is what happens with a lot of children with ADD. They, um, the hyperactivity side of the ADHD is what's seen in the public eye. It's seen out in public. It's seen down the street, at the shops. It's seen in the classroom specifically, and that's when it's usually identified as an issue. However, girls tend to settle more with the ADD, which is the attention deficit. They're called more the daydreamers. And the daydreamers just, they just pass through. They just, you know, are not seen. Um, they just, you know, scrape through, pass through everything without doing any homework, without doing any work at all. They seem to pass and just get through and no one sees them as an issue. They, they, you know, they just do what they need to do at school and no homework outside of that and no effort and they don't bother anyone. So they usually get missed. Um, and then in high school it might become a little bit more of a problem. And then in postgraduate um, or bachelor's and postgraduate, um, it can become more of an issue. And well, I think... You you ha you didn't have any problem. You already done your you know you are highly educated. You know, so how did you manage this? Yeah, well, this is this is the thing, isn't it? Because we see in society, we see ADD and ADHD as being this mental health disorder. There is a there is a different streamline happening of the neural circuits in the brain, but it's not a broken brain. There are areas that there's weakness, but there's also areas of strength. And, you know, I fit all the criteria. My parents actually had ADHD and ADD undiagnosed. And it wasn't until I went through my studies, I've studied all my life, actually, I haven't stopped. And this is one characteristic that is a strength of um, people with ADD and ADHD, depending on their, their degree of it. But if there's support around them, they will focus. When they find something they're interested in, they have hyper-focus and they just power through. They can do multiple tasks when they find something that they're really good at and they achieve at. It's that feedback. They get that dopamine release that they don't have, that they're missing in their brain anyway. Um, they've got lower levels. So that dopamine comes from the rewards of the study you're achieving. And if I can say, um, there's so many famous people like Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, uh, Richard Branson, and even, you know, a number of singers like um, Justin Timberlake, um, you know, who have ADD and ADHD, and yet they're highly successful people. So I think it's about, and as I, I call this, embracing ADHD, because it's not a diagnosis that's going to stop you from living. It's about identifying where your strengths are, where are your weaknesses, and then putting it into play and 
drawing on all the resources around you to make it work as wow. best as possible. You know, so it's not related to IQ, ADHD. It's no. just you cannot concentrate properly. And because there are lots of ways, like NLP and hypnotherapy, then you can actually improve it. Mm. As you see, Albert Einstein, and <laughs> these are really great people, very famous, yeah. and uh, they use their IQ, and they had lots of great work in their life. Yes. And actually, just on that, um, Pantea, Thomas Edison's mum took him out of school because he was getting in trouble all the time. Yeah, and he yeah, wasn't yeah. doing I, his I work, he wasn't focusing, yeah. yeah. And so she sort of helped him along the way at home and look where he got, got to, you know, develop the light. That's so beautiful. Now, Linda, you know, what I just realised, even helping, with, to, helping my clients, I just realised if you have passion about something, whatever, you, your work um, or you're studying, whatever you have passionate about, you have more concentration. <laughs> Usually, yeah. And if you don't like it, probably Albert Einstein didn't like the school because <laughs> the, those materials that wasn't, were not interests mm -hmm. of him. Mm -hmm. So let's say also... Um, if you go to school that you have, you forced, you are forced to learn something, of course you go daydream. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. that's happening for many people because they don't like it. Even if they don't have ADHD, mm. they don't like what they are. What's presenting the, there. Yeah. yeah, presenting to them. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, you bring up a really um, great idea actually because, um, well, it's a bit of a phenomenon that, you know, we segregate um, people into a category of ADD and ADHD where the majority of people do have the same experiences. It's just not so intense and it doesn't pick up on the scanning as it would with someone who has a diagnosis of ADD and ADHD, as in MRI scanning and, and doing all sorts of EEGs and things like that. So mm, it's true. That was so promising, so promising. Because mm. mm. what, you know, you don't need to use all of your brain to live perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and not everybody use their brain the way they should. Because some part of it is always idle. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. not working. <laughs> mm -hmm. So whenever you are forced to use your brain or you are creative enough to use your brain, no matter you have ADHD, you have um, a lot of other issues, still if you are passionate about it, you can do it. And I see even autism. It's, it's interesting to see autism people they they get their degrees they are very successful in their educations they are brilliant doctors surgeons mm. you know so even with those deficiencies is not life is not perfect right mm. but we can get the best use of it yes yes 
And actually, it, it, you just reminded me of um, a friend of mine whose son um, was diagnosed with autism when they were younger. Um, they were from England. And in fact, as he got older, uh, she provided so much support for him um, in the school and at home. And it was just the two of them. And she just really was this safety net for him. And he just through his high school, he was like high functioning. He got chosen to, um, to, to go over to America or come to America, I should say. This is from Sydney. And, um, you know, be part of a team from the school to um, develop a, um, a racing car. Wow, like and, <laughs> and they came first place in this, yeah. you know, and it was just this magnificent sort of um, reward, you know, that all the effort that she put in with him and he kept, you know, loving, you know, these specific areas of interest and not interested in others. And she just went with his strengths. And this is what I think every parent should be doing with their children, just identifying that, and this is, this is what I see a lot in my practice, that parents will come in and say, I'm really worried about my daughter because she's really hypersensitive about this and, you know, she just sort of daydreams or she does this a lot. And without giving any diagnosis, because I'm not really into diagnosis, I just look at symptoms and see how we can regulate these symptoms mm -hmm. to get a better um, quality of life for everyone in the family. Um, but just even identifying some of those characteristics and saying, okay, how is she different to your other daughter? Because there's always a comparison. And once they identify that this is how this one works, how she thinks, her working memory, how she sleeps, how she connects with people, how she plays, and this is how my other one is. Okay, now I want you to write down those strengths and weaknesses because they are different and there's no way that you can marry them together and try and make your children all the same because there exactly. is no everything is so individual and once they see the child for who they are they stop looking at the negatives and seeing it as a downfall and trying to make it better they see it as wow she's got some fabulous creativity look at these qualities i'm going to enhance that and then when you enhance the connection and what her strengths are, she's, she'll be willing to open up and work on some of the things that are not so interesting for her. Mm. Yeah, I see. There are lots of very talented artists but ne never pursue their art. I had a friend, she used to play guitar and she was really good at it. But unfortunately, she actually stuck in somebody she in something that she didn't like to study, yeah. and uh, she didn't pursue her art, you know. But at some stage of your life, when you're when you pass thirty or you pass forty, you're just thinking, "Did I waste my life? Should I get back there?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> but is there is is never late. It's never late. I started playing violin um, like in my 30s. Yes. <laughs> See, it's never late. And you can always use your brain, use your creativity and add some uh, spice to your life. Yes. Yes, that's for <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
Do you have, uh, oh, do, do you want to say something extra? No, that's fine. No, sorry. Uh, do you have any program or any freebies for my audience? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm actually putting together a, a webinar um, that will support uh, parents with um, children with ADD or ADHD or even adults with mm -hmm. ADD and ADHD. Um, and it will be looking at um, the etiology, where it uh, comes from, and some of the strategies that can help um, with the interaction between the parent and the, the child or infant, and also um, looking at how we can regulate emotions. So it will have um, some free hypnotherapy within it as well, and um, also NLP. And that will be mainly for the parents, but if the child um, is old enough and we can work on the, the child with hypnotherapy and NLP, I'll mm -hmm. do that also. But it will be a, um, a webinar that will go for probably a good four to six weeks um, and it'll be joined up on my Facebook uh, page as well. Okay. So I would like to offer anyone who's, who's watching, um, if they'd like to get in contact with me um, through my email, then um, I'll be able to offer that to them, put them on the list um, to get the free webinar that will be cost to others. So uh, do you have the exact date right now or? Uh, not quite at the moment. I'm just working with someone um, at present because uh, technology is not my strength. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I'm just looking at um, putting the webinar together, um, just having the technology uh, people around me to get that up and running. So um, it's, I'm hoping by March and around March. Okay, that should happen. great. So it's just few few weeks maybe. Yeah, and I'll be putting um, an advertisement out there as well through Facebook um, okay. and Instagram, so um, people can always tap into that. But you know, if you get in early uh, before I put it out, then you'll receive it for free. Wow, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Linda, for being here for the third time. I really enjoyed every time we have some specific new topic with Linda and all of them are very unique. Mm -hmm. She's doing a great job. Thank you so oh. much. Thank you, Pantia. I really enjoy being on your show. Yes, me Take too. care. Always. Always.